on the show today, I'm joined by not one, but two very exciting guests. First up is star of Torchwood, Gareth David Lloyd. And then I have a chat with Ryan Potter, who voiced Hero in Big Hero 6, and is also Beast Boy in DC's Titans. It's going to be a great show, don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Benjamin Mayamake's Talk To Me. I'm your host, Benjamin. And uh, we are heading into that time of year again. It is time for the final two supernovas of the year in Adelaide and Brisbane. If you've been listening to the show uh, this past year, you'll know that I was uh, very honoured to be asked to uh, join the uh, the wonderful team of MCs that, uh, that travel with Supernova. So uh, I've been appearing all over the place, uh, hosting panels and uh, interviewing some of the uh, the megastars that they uh, they have the pleasure of hosting at these events, and uh, two of those stars are with me on the show today. Uh, got uh, two excellent interviews. We've got Gareth David Lloyd, the uh, wonderful Welsh actor who was in uh, Torchwood and Doctor Who, and then uh, American actor Ryan Potter. Ryan has just shot to new levels of fame by taking on the role of Beast Boy in DC's superhero show Titans. But before that, he was uh, the voice of Hero, the lead character in Disney's Big Hero 6, which is a movie I love, and we do chat about uh, both of those roles later on in the show. But uh, first, here is my chat with the wonderful, the lovely, Mr. Gareth David Lloyd. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining me today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Now, Gareth, what inspired you to become an actor? Um, I don't know. I had so many ideas when I, when I was a kid. I, I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be a fireman. I wanted to be a doctor. Um, and I learned that being an actor, you could sort of be all those things at one point or another. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I suppose being so, so fickle and indecisive as a kid sort of led, led me to the, uh, the, the you see its door, really. Mm. And from that point, how did you go about realizing your goal professionally? Um, from, I, I did lots of youth theatres. Um, I, I, I went to a sixth form college where I did performing arts. Um, I, I did a one-year course then in, in near London, um, run like a, a repertory theatre company. We did a show every uh, two weeks. And then I did the National Youth Theatre of, of Great Britain. Uh, I played Mac the Knife in the Threepney Opera in, in London, in the West End, and I got my first uh, agent through that. And it was... Uh, it was uh, Onwards from there, really. And obviously, you've done both television and theatre. Do you have a preference? Um, if, if I spend too much time um, away from one, then I'll start to miss it. Um, I, I can't really decide between the two. I know that's quite rare for, for an actor, but I find if I'm if I'm on set for a long time, or if I'm certainly out of work for a long time, and I'm on stage, you do miss that sort of um, immediate gratification at the end of a show. That sort of um, that, that craving for attention, I, I, I suppose, that, that, uh, and yeah, having an immediate audience response at the end, that's sort of the, nothing sort of beats the adrenaline of being on stage um, because of the, the, the live audience interaction. Um, but then with TV and film, the sets are sort of more three-dimensional. There's lots more attention to detail. You can, you can make your performance a lot more nuanced and you, you get something to to keep forever once once it's once it's shot you you got you can always look back on it um theater always remains a memory um so they both have both have their perks and if, um i spend a lot of time doing one then I, I do start to miss the other and do you have a different preparation process for each when you approach a new script um theater is a lot more sort of let's uh let's 
form of the voice is a lot more vocal, a lot more noisy, a lot more energy involved. Um, energy has to be up. You have to sort of um, get get your you're telling a story to um, a, a vast number of people. Um, you're convincing a, lo- a lot of people that there's somebody else. It's a lot more energetic, I suppose, where um, with TV and film, it's more sort of sit down and meditate and um, <laughs> absorb the character and then and then get, go out and do it. But um, yeah, I, I, I think I think mentally it's, it's, it's probably quite similar. You know, you, you just put, preparing to step into somebody else's shoes to, and, and, and to tell a story and you want to do it as um, succinctly and as um, effectively as possible. And uh, speaking of great storytelling, you're probably best known for playing Yanto in Torchwood. How did that role eventuate for you? Um, I, I worked with Russell on a, on a show called Mine or Mine, which was a, um, a show about a, a, a taxi driver in Swansea, in Wales, um, learning that he... Um, was actually the, the the owner of the city um, through through some ancient document, um, which, which, is, which is a comedy. But I, I played a character in that called Yanto Jones, um, uh, and um, be, because of the scheduling, they had to cut uh, a lot of the storylines from it. They had to cut an episode, which meant some of the sort of uh, peripheral storylines went. And uh, my storyline, Yanto Jones' storyline. I actually got cut from the, the televised version. It, it's back in the DVD version, but it was cut from the televised version. Um, so I went into this role for Torchwood for a character called Idris Hopper. Um, and uh, I, I, I got the role. Um, uh, um, and as a sort of little nod to me um, for, for that storyline from Mine or My Being Cut, uh, Russell gave me my name back, Yanto Jones. And that's how, that's how that came about. And uh, there's a lot of fans of Torchwood all over the world. Now, your character, spoiler alert, had a tragic demise. Um, but fans were so touched, they set up something rather unique in Cardiff. Tell our listeners a little bit about the shrine. The shrine, yeah, it's still going strong. It's sort of 10 years later. It's, uh, it's on Google Maps, <laughs> as, as a Google landmark. Um, and it has a caretaker. And, yeah, I'm, I'm very sort of very proud of it very flattered and proud of it but this uh, um, work that I've been involved with has inspired a shrine to be um, to be created and that is still uh, in existence now today 10, ten years later so yeah it, it's weird but it's flattering and um, it's it, it's unique so I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of it and you have since returned to Torchwood through Big Finish audio dramas and you've also written a couple of those stories how long have you been interested in writing? Um, since college really I mean I, I'm, I've always wanted to be an actor acting was my main thing but um, there was, there was a, a session in college called um, performance workshop where, where you sort of get to write and stand up and do your own sketches uh, skits and sketches and, and things like that so I, I did a lot of that a lot of improvisation and lot, lots of um, uh, writing when I was in, in college never thinking that I, it would be something that anyone um, asked me to do professionally So, but, but yeah the interest has always been there um, I wrote a play then in London which um, I was just too nervous to send anyway I think it's, I think we did a couple of scenes with the National Youth Theatre um, well, yeah, it was, it's only been the last year I've had a really quiet year where I was sort of not getting any um, acting work um, or, or meetings. And I thought, well, I need to sort of take, take the reins and do something for myself here. So I, I, I sat down and came up with 
a concept for um for a TV series um, and wrote a treatment, wrote, wrote an episode. Um, I sent it to the guys at Big Finish, just sort of some notes, really, some pointers. Um, and they, they came back and said, look, it's, 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 we love it, but it's television. It's not really our thing, but um, you can obviously tell a story. So how do you find to get them to write some stuff for us? Um, and, and that was it. So I've, I've done, so far I've done two tortures. I'm, I'm just doing another one now. Um, it should be out next year at some time. Um, yeah, so it's been really fun, and I've written my my own um, the, the, the TV series I originally sent into Big Finish. I've adapted as a, as a web series. Um, opened a three episode um, insight into into the, into the world. I'm sort of um, the universe. I'm, I've sort of got, got in my head. Um, it's a sort of dark horror set in the set in the. Uh, in, in the Welsh mountains um, and the first episode of that it will be available for free to stream on YouTube this this Halloween it's called Black River Meadow I don't know all you have to do is look at my social the, the links and like that but that was funded by the fans so I did a Kickstarter project launched last year and it's been a year, year in the making now we've got a, um, a 20 minute uh, chapter um, uh, the, 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 the first chapter to the series so I'm really proud of it I'm really excited about that uh, can't wait for everyone to see it well we will certainly put a link in the show notes for this podcast so that our listeners can go and check that out as well Brill, thank you now you have been working in the entertainment industry for quite a while now how do you think the industry has evolved since you first started working oh it's immensely I mean I think it's, I think the, the, the uh, it's doubled in the the amount of um, content that's been put out there, the things that are being made, you know, um, uh, which is great for actors. You know, there's more work out there. Um, and I think the way people are watching TV now is completely different. Certainly, with the sort of binge watching on uh, on Netflix and Amazon, and um, you know, it, the, the, the whole it's changed completely, and it's and it's changing as as we're. Uh, <laughs> as we're speaking probably and it's, it's getting more and more rapid um, but yeah I haven't noticed as an actor that even the way your audition is, is changed now it's so easy to sort of put something on the tape um, on, I say on the tape but <laughs> on, on, onto your phone or onto, onto your camera and send it in as an audition um, I get so many more requests for self-tapes now than I used to because it's, it's a lot easier just to put something on the tape quickly and we transfer it uh, to, to London or to LA or to, to wherever it has to go without you know having to set up a bulky camera and then <laughs> put it through editing and then you know send off in the post and that, that was a, that was what a self-tape was years ago so yeah the industry is changing all the time um, technological leaps forwards and certainly how we watch uh, our entertainment and are those changes for better or worse do you think um I, 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 I'm, I'm an optimist, so <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I think it's, uh, I, I, I think it's good. I mean, there's obviously dangers whenever we make any sort of um, uh, evolutions in, any, in anything. Um, but we sort of have to be careful, certainly with how people are getting paid and how, how um, entertainment is being shared. Um, but yeah, I think the more readily available things are, the more things are getting made, the, 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 the better for everyone, the better for. Uh, the guys at home watching and the, the guys um, the, the, the working behind the camera. 
Absolutely. Now, you are going to be in Australia very soon for Supernova uh, in Adelaide and in Brisbane. What do you find enjoyable about doing convention appearances? Convention in general, I, you know, with, with, with theatre, you, you get the sort of, um, you get that audience reaction immediately at the end of uh, at the end of the show and you, 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 you it's all about forging a connection with the audience um so you have that and that's one of the buzzes of theater with tv and film you don't, you don't really get that so i think um the conventions give actors the opportunity to get that um first-hand experience of the effect the, the work has had on their fans and actually see, see the laughter see the tears see, see the um to the effect um, the, the, the work's had and that, that's always a sort of special sort of feeling and a, a special gives me a special but when that happens especially when it has such a positive effect uh, on people and people have used it for you know escape has pretty touched their lives that, um, that makes us feel great selfishly but yeah <laughs> and is there anything that you're looking forward to doing while you're in Australia for a couple of weeks um, I'm I know last time I was in Adelaide, we, we, we did the McLaren Vale wine tour. Um, I'm going to, I think, I think they're taking us on the Barossa wine tour this time, which I, I can't wait for that. Um, um, I, I love my wine and, my, <laughs> uh, and I, I love the, just the, the, the countryside that then there, um, in Southern Australia, it's absolutely beautiful. I can't, I can't wait to, uh, can't wait to get back. Well, it's going to be great to have you here. Just, uh, just finally, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in the performance industry? Um, I'd say um, thick skin is probably is <laughs> probably the, the thing that yeah, I, you, you have to have or you have to grow. I mean, and, and the, the ability to take rejection over and over again. The industry is so huge, and there's so many jobs, and there's so many actors. And so many performers that uh, a it has to be something you really have to you really want to do beyond anything else, and b um, um, you have to learn how to take um, rejection, otherwise you you, you won't survive. Um, and yeah, and and, and work, but you know, work really hard. If you you can learn to take rejection um, and pick yourself back up and uh, attack the next opportunity with the same the same vigor and, 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 and the same energy uh, and you work really hard then you know it's, it's definitely a feasible um profession to get involved in well thank you so much for your wise words and your time today it's been a pleasure talking with you and we can't wait to see you out here at supernova in a couple of weeks time thank you mate thanks very much that was my chat with Gareth David Lloyd now as mentioned a link to Gareth's original series is in the show notes for this podcast. It came out just yesterday on the 31st of October, so do go and have a look at that and support his independent project. Now, here's my chat with Ryan Potter. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining me today, Ryan. Well, thank you for having me, man. Now, what inspired you to pursue a career in the performing industry? Uh, that's an interesting... You know, I've, I think that may be one of the first times I've ever gotten that question, so excuse this... Uh, kind of put together answer but you know I I didn't it wasn't that I wasn't good at mathematics or science or English or all these different classes I just I didn't find school to be all that engaging for me 
Um, I never had, you know, like in a immense pool of friends at school that wanted, you know, kept me at school. I didn't have teachers that were all that inspiring. So when I left school uh, in ninth grade uh, to pursue a project called Super Ninjas, it was ultimately because it was an opportunity that I felt that I wouldn't have otherwise. Um, so since that project, it's kind of been one project after another. And um, I feel like I've decided on this career after 10 years of being in it and after it just kind of happening for me. I, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a good question. <laughs> So how did that first project find its way to you? Were you doing classes and auditions? Did you have an agent? Um, had no manager or agent at the time. Ultimately, there was a, uh, a flyer at my martial arts studio looking for a you know 13 to 14-year-old Asian-American kid that can do martial arts. And um, I left the studio without the flyer, uh, and my teacher kind of came running down the street, asked me with it, handed it to me, and I slid it down to the bottom of my, uh, like my workout bag. I went home, um, kind of giving that flyer, you know, no mind or uh, no attention. And without, without the purpose of adding anything to the story and making it more unbelievable, my, my mom actually went through my martial arts bag, my gym bag, for the first time and um, just kind of cleaned it out and she found the flyer and she asked me if I wanted to go audition. And at first I was hesitant simply because I wasn't a very outgoing kid. I wasn't all that interested in, you know, like memorizing these lines and how to form them. And uh, with the with the promise of getting a day off from school, I essentially, you know, because the audition was on a weekday, I gladly accepted. And uh, after that audition, um, one audition led to another. And from there, getting that project kind of started the whole career and also, you know, the pursuit of agents and managers and um, building a team and more projects to follow. And one of the, the bigger projects that's followed for you has been Big Hero 6. Tell us about how that role eventuated. Big Hero 6 was actually a an audition that came about from a director that I had worked with um, in the past. Uh, it was... Yeah, I don't know. It was kind of one of those very, like, just destined things. I don't really have any other way of describing it. I showed up to, um, I showed up to the audition and Disney had already had some pre-visual animation and they already had some character mock-ups and walking in at the age of, uh, 17, uh, Hero and I had a few similarities in, in kind of the way that we looked and, the, uh, the directors and writers and producers all kind of took note of that and we all laughed about it. But um, it was it was honestly only one audition. Uh, I worked with Don Hall, the director of uh, Big Hero, on kind of finding a comfortable place for um, Hero's voice and his, uh, I guess, his kind of his, his delivery and, you know, adding, adding to his character by focusing on certain aspects of the voice and, it was one audition, and after that, it, it ended up turning into <laughs> probably one of my favorite projects I ever worked on um, for close to a, a, a year and nine months, I believe. 
from from there, uh, you're now in DC's Titans, which is uh, is slowly being released in the US. Uh, what's it like taking on a superhero character? I think it's you know every <laughs> every kid's dream come true. Uh, it, it's it's a pretty major responsibility. I think you know when 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 actors and actresses audition for superhero characters, they don't they don't realize how big of a well, not not even how big, how massive of a fan base that these characters and these projects tend to have. And um, luckily, I, I was quite familiar with with the source material and with the and with the character of Beast Boy, simply because I use I, I didn't use Beast Boy. I, Beast Boy for me was a point of reference in how an outsider in in like an outsider in human society kind of fits in because moving from Japan to the U.S., and I didn't speak any English. And at that time, um, there was really nothing on TV that I could relate with. And Teen Titans, the animated series, was actually one of the very few projects that reminded me of, you know, of, like the animation style back home. So uh, it kind of holds a, a special place in my heart and the character Beast Boy, again, uh, like I was saying, I use him as a as a as a reference of how you kind of amalgamate with with humans because I I find myself very uh, introverted sometimes and um, unable to relate with with you know I, especially with school like massive friend groups and parties and so like Beast Boy was a uh, was an interesting was an interesting character to me simply because he was that. He doesn't really fit in with everybody, yet he uses pop culture and music and food as a as a as a means of making friends and getting to know people. So I kind of did the same as well. Um, you know, for someone that wasn't socially advanced uh, and didn't really speak the language, uh, Beast Boy was, uh, was a bit of a hero to me. So it, it everything comes full circle, and it's. It's incredibly bizarre how full how full circle it's become that I'm actually playing this character now, and um, you know I, I talk about this in in auditions all the time, but I, I find I find these moments to be very surreal, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity, um, especially being able to play a character that I know so well. Uh, it's not that the work was easy; it's just it made the work more fun. <laughs> And you mentioned that you've got one of your favorite episodes of the series, Doom Patrol, airing uh, next week in the States. What can viewers expect from that episode? I think they well, I know for a fact they can definitely expect more color. Um, episode four is, I think, one of the, the brightest and most colorful episodes of the entire season simply because of the amount of characters involved, but also the house um, in which the Doom Patrol live in and the way in which uh, John Fawcett directed and kind of um, shot that episode, he, uh, it was, it was brilliant just to kind of show up to set every day and to see these just massive, massive set designs for, you know, whether it's for bedrooms or for kitchens or the living space at the Doom Patrol, and, uh, you know, for a series that's focused a lot on these outdoor environments and these uh, kind of, <clears throat> I, I don't know how else to describe them, but almost like David Fincher-esque 
uh, sets where they're very blue or very green. Um, we get to visit uh, a place that has some warmth, you know, some some of some some natural lighting and uh, um, yeah. Uh, I, I you know I I really don't know how else to describe it other than other than that that episode um, to me, but also to the character Gar feels very warm and is is definitely you know it, it, it's still dark in the in the in the overall scheme of the titans and dc universe but is uh is a little bit lighter in tone to some of the other episodes so it uh even, even though it has some horror aspects let me let me, let me put that on the record um it's overall just a really fun episode in which, you know, guard racial kind of solidify uh, a friendship and, and you get to see a little bit more of a uh, Garfield's past. So I'm partial simply because we get to, we get to hang out with Garfield and, uh, AKA beast boy a little bit more. <laughs> well, it certainly sounds like a great episode, but to uh, you also coming down to Australia for supernova in Adelaide and Brisbane this week, and next week, what do you find enjoyable about doing conventions? Um, I get to have conversations with people that enjoy the, the source material and the product as much as I do. Because <laughs> I often find myself um, like cracking jokes from, uh, you know, like a random, a, a random page from uh, book six of Wolfman and Perez's, like the new Teen Titans, and uh, everybody on set kind of just having a... <laughs> having a blank stare and I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. All right. I'm the, I'm the only, uh, only, only nerd here. Cool. So, uh, I like going to conventions. I, I've always gone like, at, what was the first year I went to, I went to my first convention when I was 14. I think it's, no, no, no. Uh, when's my first convention one? Yeah. When I was 15. And, uh, since then I've, I've tried to go every year regardless of New York or San Diego, um, simply because I, I love going and buying artwork and buying toys and, and hanging out with people that like the same things I like and think in the same way that I do and getting to, uh, see panels, but also, um, meet fellow creators and, and, um, meet people like, uh, you know, Jeff Johns and Jim Lee and, uh, but being on the opposite side of, of not being a fan, it's been it's been incredibly it's been incredibly mind blowing to see how many people have watched you know things like the Hero Six or or, or 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 watching Titans now that I can have these these in depth conversations about these characters that I help to uh, kind of create. Well, Ryan, we do have to let you go, but that's a fantastic reason to come to conventions. We are so excited to have you out here in Adelaide and Brisbane. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for your time, and thank you for those awesome questions. I look forward to uh, meeting everybody in Adelaide and Brisbane, SupernovaCon. Um, let's take some photos and, and uh, eat some pizza. I don't know. <laughs> That was the wonderful Ryan Potter. Now, as I said, both of those wonderful performers, along with uh, some of the other guests we've had on this show recently, are going to be appearing at uh, Supernova Pop Culture Expo in Adelaide this weekend. So that's uh, November uh, 3rd and 4th. That came around quickly. And uh, the following weekend up in Brisbane, I'll be there, Gareth will be there, Ryan will be there. It's going to be a fantastic weekend. Definitely come along and check it out. Say hi if you uh, listen to the podcast, if you can find me in between panels. 
Now, uh, also, don't forget that um, The Phoenix Files, the music from the series, uh, the score album by Sean Braithwaite, the incredible composer, has uh, has just come out. That came out yesterday. You can get it on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, and phoenixfilesaudio.com. And uh, if you haven't already heard The Phoenix Files, Man in the Shadows, or The Phoenix Files, Blood in the Ashes, starring Bafta Domini and Doctor Who star Paul McGann, get on those right now, because the final instalment is going to be released on November 30th, exactly one year after the first one came out. So go have a look at that now. There's links in the show notes, but iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, phoenixfilesaudio.com. And uh, as always, thanks to our incredible supporters, Mad Zombie Collectibles, Palace Nova Cinemas, and uh, ZQ Racing. Well, that is all for today's show. Don't forget you can follow me over on uh, Twitter at BenjaminMM underscore, on Instagram, BenjaminMayamKay, and over on Facebook, BenjaminMayamKay. Just look for the little blue uh, verified check mark. Well, it has been wonderful having you with us today. We'll be back with another episode later in the month. Until then, bye for now. <laughs>